The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. And I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're in the midst of an ongoing series called Agents of Transformation. And during this series, I have been interviewing people who are making great, positive, and, and, and just making a difference in the world, doing transformational work, being uh, an empowering agent in their community, bringing enlightenment to human consciousness. And today, we're not half-stepping. Today, we have, as our guest, a, a, a friend that I met several years ago, somewhere. I don't even, I'm trying to remember actually where I met him at now. I was playing that I in my did. head because we... <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so let me introduce you, and then he can tell you where we actually met, because I'm trying to remember now. It's been so many years. Uh, the senior minister of Detroit Unity Temple, the Reverend Gregory Geis. How you doing there, Reverend Geis? I'm very positive, and thank you for inviting me to be a part of your radio program. I will tell uh, you, we met at the INTA conference. Oh, okay. And I was speaking there, and at that particular time, I guess I was introduced to what was called the... Three young lions. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when we, uh, Reverend Wells and um, and uh, Reverend Roderick Norton and I used to speak together as a, as a group. You know, we were a younger group at that time, so that was one of the ways we got on. It's like, well, 
we'll, we'll take all three of them. And, and now, <laughs> you know, we're all doing our own work independent of the group, sort of like, I consider that our original super group, you know, sort of like new addition. And then we broke off into our own careers. <laughs> <laughs> but you can never break the spirit of Johnny Coleman that flows in each of you. And I was yes, there yes. when I also with uh, Dr. Joseph Hill out of Chicago as well. Yes. Yes. A, a, another part of the Johnny Coleman branch. Uh, absolutely. Uh, who does great work and, um, you know, is a mentor to me as well. You know, powerful man, powerful man, the King's kid. Uh, he's been on the show as well. So uh, before we get started, uh, Reverend Geis, could you let the, the my listeners know a little bit of your background so they don't know who they're listening to and why they're listening to you? Well, I'm the senior minister at Detroit Unity Temple. I've been in, uh, I guess, a unity minister since 19, for 2000, as you might say. But I came through what was called the Urban Ministerial School that was also founded and directed by Reverend Ruth Mosley at the time. And, you know, Reverend Ruth Mosley and Johnny Coleman, they shared a sisterhood together, coming through unity together and actually serving as associate president of Association of Unity Churches for years. Reverend Ruth Mosley, if you don't know, she was very much involved in trying to make sure that she could create agents of change in Detroit by creating this program, the Urban Ministerial School, that would ensure African-Americans would have a way to be a part of the unity movement and come back and become agents of transformation here in the city of Detroit and around the world. And it was a very positive effort. And from her birthing of that program some 30, over 30 years ago, many of us have went on to do, to be very, be very much involved. Currently, I guess I've always have been a community activist and a spiritual community activist that felt that spiritual social justice was a part of it. By training, I'm a psychotherapist, as well as been an educator most of my life, father, husband, and just a strong advocate for the idea that we do have to change the consciousness of our community and the people we serve by bringing to them these true principles that will help us go forward. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get started on the questions around social justice and uh, racial justice and, you know, how do we deal with the, you know, conflict and the violence that's going on in our nation and around the world. Let me first ask you this one basic question. So I'd like to ask everyone this question when I have an opportunity to sit down and talk with them or over the phone. What attracted you to New Thought? What made you realize this is it for me? <laughs> well, you may consider that I grew up in a church called St. Elizabeth Spiritual Church of Science. Okay. And my mother, who was a spiritual teacher for me for years, her name was Corrine Collins. And during that particular time period, I was taught affirmations. The affirmation that I was taught by my mother was, I am one with the universal life forces flowing through my mind and my body, bringing me new life and energy. Nothing can come to me but good. She began to teach me concepts of new thought that I wasn't even aware of because at the same time, I wasn't even I didn't have no idea what unity was about because I grew up traditionally like a lot of young people and coming up with the Baptist church philosophy and background. My grandfather was a Baptist minister from from Birmingham, Alabama, who founded the first African-American church in Homewood, Alabama, who worked with Dr. King. So I was being geared towards that. But I never realized I would even come into ministry. I always felt I would become a social activist. So one day I found myself coming to Detroit Unity Temple and what I heard there resonated with everything I was taught. 
because I didn't believe in the concept of a hell in heaven and a, a hell inside the earth with a fiery demon. I couldn't get to none of that. But what I was able to do was found out when I started hearing these principles taught at Detroit Unity Temple, without a hesitation, I said, this is where I belong. And at that time, the leadership was under Reverend Argentina Glasgow, who quickly saw my thirst to learn. And I just became a student absorbing whatever I could around the ideas of unity and new thought principles and just went at it and dealing with the, the whole spiritual realm of thought. And then I ran across the metaphysical Bible dictionary. Whoa, Lord have mercy. And, <laughs> and that just exploded into my thought plane and thought ideas. I was able to realize how, how important it was to start seeing and learning the Bible through meta, metaphysical understanding. And it opened up a whole new world for me to see and perceive spiritual my spiritual journey through. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, I, I love the part about when you when the metaphysical Bible interpretation opened up to you. Uh, but I can remember having a conversation with your uh, and my uh, late friend, mentor, teacher, the Reverend Doctor Mary Tumkin. Remember yes. one day we were in a meeting and. And she was asking me how, you know, I teach my Bible class and or classes. And because she was a she was the Bible toting metaphysician, you know, the Bible teacher in of metaphysics <laughs> yes. and UFBL, without a doubt, in most of new thought. And I said to her a phrase that she liked it so much. She actually named a class after it. I said to her, my goal is by the end of that class for my students to develop metaphysical eyes. Yeah. So, so we actually have a class, our Bible two class is called developing metaphysical eyes because that's the concept, because once they open up a whole new world opens up to you. I so, like, you know, I like that. I love it. I love it because that's where that perception has to begin. We have to yes. begin to see it. And too many of us have been blinded from a rote learning of our spiritual teachings of seeing the Bible only through the eyes of what others have told it was all about, which is that linear view, not realizing it's a whole world that can explode and unfold before you in a wonderful perception. So I like the idea of metaphysical eyes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So let me get to my first question. And by the way, I just want to make sure that callers know that you can call in to ask Reverend Guy's questions. The number is 888-558-6489. 888-558-6489 if you want to ask questions about New Thought and its role in social justice, racial justice, the violence and, and dealing with conflict resolution in our nation and across the world. So my first question, Reverend Geis, is how can New Thought's theology, when put into practice, help heal racial wounds? It, Repeat that for me. How can New Thought? How, how can New Thought's theology, when practiced, help heal racial wounds. I think the key word you said was when practice, because so often we take on an understanding or we may rotely or mentally begin to receive it because the only way we can begin to address that, taking that theology into ourselves and begin to make an impact on the world around us is we have to digest it within ourselves. It opens up the idea of freeing ourselves. I love what, Joel Goldsmith says when he talks about practicing the presence. So when we began to adopt this new theology, this theology of recognizing the oneness 
within the universe and ourselves. When we begin to take that into ourselves, we have to let go. And as Emily Cady said in Lessons in Truth, you know, that we're going to have to realize it's either going to be bondage or freedom. And that bondage is, keeps us trapped. But once we understand the teachings and principles of new thought, then we can begin to change ourselves. And as we begin to change ourselves, we can begin to impact our surrounding community. Okay, so what you're basically saying is the first thing we need or person we need to work on, like we always see in New Thought, is ourselves. Yes, sir. I mean, think about it. How can you go out talking about changing or changing your consciousness and you're still living in your own old mindset? It has to be the first part, the first segment. We have to do away that old skin we've been living and take on a new wine skin, new new understanding. Yes, yes. And and one of the things that I'm mindful of is that new thought, when practiced, really helps you transcend race, yes. gender, nation, political affiliation. It's understanding the oneness. And I think that, you know, I can disagree with you, but I'm still one with you in spirit. Therefore, I want the best for you. And I think that that concept sometimes gets lost in the process. We can disagree. I can have a different position than you, but I can't have a different position about you and, call, and, and then work within this context of what we call new thought. And, you know, think about what you're just saying. When we realize that there's only one presence and one power, when we realize that the same spirit that abides within you abides within me, as you say, our outer vibration may be entirely different, but yet we come together to blend together, to know we're here to serve the same one purpose through the eyes of one creator. And going back to your question that you asked me, I have to throw something at you to become very important, is how many people you think truly understand the concept of new thought or what new thought is? I, because, I would say, let me just start in new thought churches. So then okay. we'll go abroad. Less than 10%. I agree. And, and that's one of the things that we, even those of us who are part of new thought communities, new thought churches, we temples or whatever the organization is, you know, we adopt the term new thought very easy. But to recognize how it differs from, example, new age, mm-hmm. because I tend to feel that that's where sometimes we get stuck in our own ego. But if we really go back to that founding origin that that recognize what new thought is about, then we can begin to address the question. Because, as you pointed out, even in many of our churches, when I would go to a unity church to speak or I'll go to another unity church, I'd begin, well, I'm teaching a, what is unity class, and I would ask the question, can you tell me the difference between new thought and new age? Because I want them to understand that we are a new thought organization. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's, and what does it mean to be unapologetic about who you are? <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's one of the things that that's amazing to me. What is what does that really look like? Because everybody in the world is being unapologetic about who they are. But us, you know, we show up at the funerals and we don't do our new thought prayer, new thought service. We show up and we do our prayers at the hospital and we're not, you know, doing our affirmative prayer or spiritual mind treatment. If we're not having coming from the context of new thought then who will because people just borrow 
from our theology because the self-help section in every bookstore and on Amazon.com uh, is mostly borrowed from late 19th century, early 20th century New Thought writers. I, I'll stand on that and I'll scream it from the rooftops <laughs> that that the majority of the people that we see discovered some context of New Thought and they rewrote it, they borrowed Matter of fact, and I know this is what this show is about today, but I'm just going to say it. I can remember listening to, and I'm not saying this disrespectfully, it's just fact. Uh, a minister, a fundamentalist preacher, uh, uh, Dr. Leroy Thompson, who who's known for the money cometh. I was remember being in bed really early one Thursday morning, and his show used to play in Chicago on Thursday mornings around 7, 7 in the morning. And he... I turned on, turned it on, flipping through the channels, you know, and said, oh, let me see what he's talking about, because I like to just see what other churches are doing. And I'm listening to something, and you know what you know when you hear your stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. He, and he's, he was saying words, you know, not just what I'm saying, this is my stuff, not my stuff meaning, but this sounds new thoughtish. Right. That I dawned on me that he was reading something as if he was preaching it. He was preaching a book without changing the words. <laughs> so I ran downstairs. I got my book. It was Prosperity by Charles Fillmore. And he right. was teaching or preaching the first chapter of Charles Fillmore's book, Prosperity, but, but teaching it as Revelation. And not giving so I was credit. Like, right. He never said it was Fillmore because obviously he doesn't want to lose his church like people. what happens to people when you start talking stuff other than what the leaders say you can talk about. Um. Uh, so he never said it. he taught it as revelation. He taught it as faith teaching, and he was talking about how how faith substance works. And then he started quoting Fillmore, 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 and he preached almost probably five pages of that book. And I'm sitting in the air reading it, knowing what he's about to say next, <laughs> because it's in my hand. And I was like, well, first of all, I think that's beautiful because that means it's getting out there, and that's the yes. point of the message. It's not yeah. for us to keep under a bushel basket. It's to let the light shine. And Fillmore didn't care. He gave it away. Reverend Coleman was the same way. The yes. point that I'm making out of it is, is everybody is using our stuff, but we're not standing up for our stuff. And we need to be mindful because I really believe that we have a theology that can help heal the world. When you start talking about the oneness of God, when you start talking about the oneness with all humanity, we start talking about oneness with all life. What does oneness with all life look like when it comes to taking care of Earth? You, you know, you, you you're hitting on it. First of all, thank you for giving your listeners and myself that observation that you're speaking towards. And you also it goes back to your original question. How do we begin to change the consciousness or thoughts if we're not applying it? Right. The people whose name is out are the legacies of those we stand on, Mary Tompkins, the Sally Taylors, the Johnny Coleman's, you mm -hmm. know, the David Williamson and Charles Fillmore's. We have to recognize that they lived it and they were able to demonstrate it and bring it forward. We who have came behind them, many of us don't recognize the fact that you can't live in two worlds. You can't talk prosperity and live in a world of poverty. Somewhere there's a missing link that exists in that whole thought process. And I contend that we may intellectualize it, but we don't take it to our heart. The moment we can take it to our heart, you don't have to grab a book, as that gentleman did, to read five pages. 
because you are living it and you can express it because it will come from that internal place within yourself. Yeah, and, 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 yeah. And what was and what was funny about it was he was teaching prosperity to the point to where I don't know if you're familiar with him. When he preaches, people just seed money to him. They just get up and put it at his feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I'm saying he got the consciousness of what we talk about. That if I understand God as substance, the supply always shows up to me. It yes. finds me. Yeah, you know. But we're gonna have to take a quick break. So let me before we drill down because. You know, this conversation, we can go on forever with just that one statement. What does it really mean to understand God as substance, which might be a part of one of the questions I have later. But we're coming up on our first break. You can call in again at 888-558-6489. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world that's easier than ever with mobile giving just text unity radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives new book, What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug? Daryl Fuzaro emphasizes the positive effects of applying unity principles in everyday situations. Laura Harvey, editor of Daily Word magazine, exclaims Daryl Fuzaro shares his life lessons with inspiring creativity. This book is encouraging, funny, and heartwarming, a combination I highly recommend. As co-host of Unity Online Radio's Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed, Daryl's old-school charm and no-nonsense approach to spirituality keep a global audience laughing and inspired. What if Godzilla just wanted a hug? Is loaded with Daryl's hilarious, award-winning illustrations and packs his wit and wisdom into easy-to-digest, bite-sized stories of how he transforms chaos into tranquility and succeeds in the entertainment business by doing the opposite of everyone else. What if Godzilla just wanted a hug is a pocket Bible encouraging the talented and timid to trust their gut act on their intuition, and step out boldly. Even if you just bought it for the chapter titles and Daryl Fuzaro's illustrations alone, you'd be getting more than your money's worth with this book. Author and film critic Sister Rose Pucati says, Spending time with Fuzaro's stories will leave you no choice but to smile and carry on. Oh, he forgot to mention he hangs out with a group of nuns, but then, if he had, it would have necessitated a change to some of his more colorful adjectives. Have fun ordering your copy of What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug today on Amazon.com. At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Reverend Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. 
You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We're in the midst again of a series titled Agents of Transformation. I have uh, the Senior Minister of Detroit Unity Temple, uh, the Reverend Gregory Geis, uh, as my guest today. We're talking about New Thought and how New Thought can help the conversation around racial and social justice and and various other topics as they come up. So if you want to talk or be a part of this conversation, you can call us at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. I also want to remind you that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. So go on the page, like it, share it, because we're, you know, we just have a lot of good stuff that we're doing. And I just want to make sure that you have the opportunity to uh, ask a Reverend Geis, a question, if it's something that's burning in your heart, something you need to know, questions you have, this is the time to do it. I also want to remind you that Unity Online Radio is a ministry, and as you have freely received, freely give. So you can help support this online ministry that is going everywhere. I mean, somebody reached out to me from Australia not long ago. We have people reaching out from Mexico, from the Caribbean, from all parts of the United States and Canada. So this show is being listened to all around the world. And that's just one show. This online radio station has several shows. So go to unity.fm and click on the donate button and help be a part, help bring the evolution and transformation of human consciousness forth by supporting an online ministry that helps that process. So thank you all for your cooperation. So let me get back to you, Reverend Geis. This is I'm a great conversation. Absolutely. So let me ask you the, this. Hello? Go ahead. Okay, so let me ask you this next question. Um, what can the New Thought community do better within and outside of its community in regard to helping shift the conversation around racism and in particular? One of the things I think we need to do as New Thought organizations, spiritual community, temples and centers is begin to take an active role within our communities themselves. We need to become a vanguard of our truth principles, reaching out to our youth and at the same time, not afraid of spiritual social justice and speaking it when we're when our communities are out of alignment being able to see that truth. For example, when we hear negativity coming back into our community where we want to make sure we don't take on that role of a victim, too many right. times in our community, we take on that verbiage of a victim as if something is being done to us, not realize we're acting from outside in instead of going from inside out. And that's one of the first things we can begin to do to help change or impact our communities because too often we stand there and sometimes we can't even be quiet and watch it deteriorate around us 
but become active and see ourselves as a radiating center no matter what community we're in. Thank you. Thank you. So let me get to social issues. And one of the things that's going on, obviously, we're in the midst of a presidential election and a lot of economic issues are coming up right now. People are talking about jobs. They're talking about, you know, Wall Street. They're talking about businesses. They're talking about many things that go around what we call uh, financial situations and experiences. The hardcore how much money do I have? How much money do I have saved? How much money do I have invested? And I just want to get your position from the standpoint of a new thought metaphysician, a new thought leader. What do you do to remind your people that God is the source in the midst of all of this conversation that's always shifting? One of the things, and first of all, thank you. We're actually going to a series of classes called Prosperity Plus Two by Mary Morrissey. We had began to have a series of prosperity classes utilizing the book you spoke about earlier, Charles Fillmore on Prosperity, as well as Catherine Ponder's book, The Secret to Unlimited Success, Unlimited Potential. She uh, prosperity. Is, Secret of prosperity, prosperity. Yes. Yeah. Secret of Unlimited Prosperity. We began to lay the foundations, but we also had to let people realize from from within our spiritual community. We have all we will ever need right now. We began to realize and identify the greatness that exists within our spiritual community. We stopped pointing out to the businessmen and the people who are just utilizing those resources naturally. But we also have to start saying, stop seeing lack in your community, within yourself. Stop realizing that inside of you is one of the greatest, fantastic vibrational energies that you can ever exist. And reinforcing the idea that God is our source. We had people give testimonies every week talking about how God is just manifesting greatness in their life or how when they start looking to see the good around them, it began to expand what they started seeing. And the more they saw, the more returned to them. And it was just able to give testimony after testimony about the good that they saw. But once they start seeing, being thankful for the good, whether it's if they found a penny, be thankful knowing that that is a, your consciousness is attracting to you your fullness of your wealth. And we start doing that. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, as you're talking about this, uh, you know, relating it to my previous questions, um, do you read uh, Neville Goddard, otherwise known as Neville? Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. And, and, you know, a lot of, you know, he was a Caucasian man from Barbados. And a lot of people don't know who actually taught him metaphysics, which was, Abdullah, who was an Ethiopian Jewish mystic. Wow. You know, uh, and so, so, and, and as uh, Neville describes him, describes him, blacker than the ace of spades. And that's not me saying that. That's that what Neville said. <laughs> so let me be clear because this, this tape goes out everywhere. The point that he was making was when he was an entertainer, he was a dancer and an actor in the in the you know 1920s 30s etc before he went into teaching metaphysics full time and he said he met in the midst of that time period he met a man named abdullah he said he was a poor struggling actor from barbados and abdullah was this black jewish mystic jewish in theology teaching kabbalah and and other forms of christian mysticism and he said abdullah lived in the 
wealthy part of, of town in whatever area of New York they were in. And he said that uh, <laughs> Abdullah would just had the consciousness to where, where he wanted to do something. We're talking mm-hmm. about the 1920s. Right. Just do it. He said, it, you know, talking about really understanding the power of new thought. This is the reason why I'm giving this context is he, he said Abdullah loved to go to the opera. And he would say, oh, Abdullah, because he's white, he's thinking they're not going to give him uh, a black man the tickets to the front row of the opera. He said, I'll go get the tickets. They're not going to deny me. He's like, no, you don't have to worry about that. I'll get my own tickets. And anytime he wanted to do something, he had access to it. And, and it was amazing to him how Abdullah would work universal law. And he, he tells a story about how Abdullah, uh, he went to Abdullah because he wanted to go home one, one, uh, one holiday for Christmas and he didn't have any money. He was, he was under broke, not just broke. <laughs> and, uh, he went to Abdullah and said, you know, I really want to go home. I haven't been home in, you know, over a decade and I want to see my family, but I don't have any money. So Abdullah said, okay, you're in Barbados. Every time we talk, you're in Barbados. I want you to feel that you're in Barbados. I want you to see the water. I want you to smell the air. I want you to experience Barbados. So as time went by, it's getting closer and closer to Christmas. He complains. He goes to Abdullah. Hey, Abdullah, nothing's happening. You know, I, I, I don't have a way to Barbados. He's like, why are you talking about me about how to get to Barbados? You are in Barbados. <laughs> and, and he said his teacher would rebuke him over and over and over again. Every time he tried to come to him with any other conversation other than you are in Barbados. And it just so happened his oldest brother sent him a letter with a ticket saying, you know, I want to see my family and my siblings uh, for Christmas in Barbados. So here's a third class ticket for a boat ride home. So he goes to Abdullah and he says, Abdullah, look, I have a third class ticket to go home. It worked. And he said, well, you are in Barbados and you got that first class. He's like, no, but, you know, I checked already. You can't upgrade. You can't whatever. He's like, you are in Barbados and you got that third class. I mean, first class. When he shows up at the boat for the trip, somebody didn't show up, and they upgraded him automatically for free <laughs> to first class. And he calls that how Abdullah taught the law. The whole story is actually on YouTube somewhere. And the point that I'm making out of this is when you start talking about un- your people understanding what everything that they have is already here, really, yeah. really what does it mean to have the consciousness of supply and oneness? Yes, that that Abdullah never shifted from you are in Barbados. Why are you talking about that is the key? I mean, what you great story. Great, great story. And I am going to borrow that story. (laughs) It's the it's the consistency of a thought. What did Jesus say when someone came up to him and asked and say, my sister's sick or my daughter's sick? He asked me a question. Do you believe? And when you maintain that consistency of thought, the law of mind action opens up and begin to be consistently maintained. It draws to you whatever is in your mind and your consciousness that you believe. Now, going back to your question, because that's right at the cusp of what we're talking about. In our community, we don't believe that we can have something greater. Yet we spend over $7 trillion 
as consumers, and yet we still cry the need for welfare mentality. And somewhere, New Thought Churches, centers have to change that thought process and let us realize that we have to work with it. Galen, I asked another question when I was working with a young man. We have a program called Be the Best That You Can Be that we work with young men. A young man by the name of Ron Dickerson worked for the banking industry, came to work with these young brothers in school. We're going to give them a, a bank account if they maintain solid grades through this particular bank. But he shared with them how the value of importance of money is in thinking about that. But he gave them a demonstration or he told them that in the but certain particular communities, the Asian community, that dollar may circulate 30 days. He stated to them that within the white community, it may circulate 28 days, rather 17 days. In the Jewish community, it circulate 28 days. And he asked him a question, how much, how much would that dollar circulate within the African-American community? And they pondered, shout, 30 days, 20 days, 10 days, 5, it even came down to one day. And he still shook his head and says no. And he told them that one dollar and our community circulates only six hours. And they had to think. And he told them it's about the way we think in the terms of our relationship with money and our belief systems and our consciousness around it. He said that we can't keep it because we fear it. We don't know how to maintain it. We can't see the value of it. And and that's where you're going in terms of the ability to know how we can utilize our principles to change that thought, that idea, to know that it's ours. And it's amazing. We have to take charge of our community, my brother, and let become much more involved with our communities to teach this these principles that we know. Yeah, that that's that's powerful. Uh Dr. Dennis Kimbrough was here a couple of not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And the seminar he taught on the wealth choice that's the seven laws of money or yes. the seven laws of wealth rather uh if you haven't bought it make sure you check out his book the wealth choices it's awesome but anyway he mentioned that if black america was a country it would be the 16th wealthiest country on the on the planet and it just paused people and then he started listing the countries in which <laughs> spend less money or, or then, then, I mean, that whole country, I'm talking about the, the government, we're talking about all the citizens, we're talking about roads, and railroads, and, and, and the whole economical, economic, economical, economic system of the country. He started naming countries that have less money than black America. But if it's only circulating every six hours, that shows you there's a disconnect and when you start talking about prosperity is my birthright part of prosperity is my birthright is having the consciousness of wealth having the consciousness of prosperity having the consciousness that is one thing to earn it it's another thing to keep it yes it's another thing to keep it it's another thing to expand it and, and really and understand it right and, and un- yeah and understanding that when it comes to you know the money Understand and utilize the best practices because the it 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 bleeds into so many other things. Number one cause of divorce, mm-hmm. financial issues, financial stress. You start dealing with people having um at, at times 
using money or jobs and things of that nature. People use it to create racial division, like, you know, scapegoating communities that we think are stealing jobs from us because we don't understand the consciousness of God is the source. So we as a community, not just a black community or white community or Jewish community or Muslim community or uh, uh, Asian community or, or or whatever the community, we have to get this right. Because if we really understood God is the source, we wouldn't be having the conversation that we're having about money in our nation. <laughs> or, or being a part of the political agenda of what people are crying out about. But in every yeah. case... We are looking outside of ourselves as our source, and we're relying on government to change it for us. We're relying on political agendas of individuals to make something correct, and they can't make it correct. We have to make it correct within ourselves, because if you recall, welfare is a recent phenomenon back in the 60s. What did our foreparents do before then? How was the legacy of our communities built? What happened to Madam C. Walker? She had to rely on her own ability, her own resources to be able to stimulate and grow that. Somehow we have to recreate that awareness that, as you point out, that God is our source. That right within us we have all the tools necessary. And when we realize that we can create a vibration that will draw the right people to us, that will be a part of the same like-mindedness, that will be an energy that will be stimulating the excitement around it, and that excitement will be so contagious, so catching, that people will come and be a part of a movement. And I do believe that's why they call it a new thought movement, because it was a movement of energy reaching out to people about changing their error thoughts and consciousness to put it in alignment with what God is calling us to be. Absolutely, absolutely. So I wanted to talk to you about new thought and how new thought can help address the conversation around conflict resolution and violence, because we've seen a lot of violence in Chicago. You know, the appearance is ridiculous, you know, murder, you know, it's all over the news, all over the world, what's going on in the streets of Chicago. It's no secret. Uh, Children being assassinated and things that I'm sure that, Similar things are going on in Detroit. I have family in Pontiac, so I know some of the things that's going on up there. Um, but but it's front and center now, but not just with us, but eruptions all over the world. So how does New Thought's theology of oneness help deal with conflict resolution and violence? One of the things, Galen, I think is so important is that if we stay locked up in our own centers, we won't be able to do much about it. Mm. We have to engage individuals. We have a program that I was mentioned to you with these young men in a school in the heart of the city of Detroit that has violence all around it. Three years ago, we went in there and began to work with sixth graders. And we began to talk to them about who they were, we began to talk to them about letting them realize how great thou art, talking about their history, their culture, we began to shift the way they thinking and sought them. We had them even mentoring third graders. That one group are now eighth graders ready to graduate. They see the need to maintain a steady course of action in their life, recognizing that they have the ability to achieve, realizing that when they look at their peers, they can now see the difference, and I wanted to make a change. They'll talk against the medical marijuana that has flowed into our community. 
They'll talk against the idea of needing to be a part of a gang. They'll realize that there is a greatness within themselves. They see the physical, the spiritual, and the mental attachment. For new thought communities, we have to engage our communities, demonstrate the principles, and be willing to work with them and cultivate that type of mindset that is not clouded and broken with woundedness, but showing them that they can achieve to be a factor in their own families. These young men are setting out, but also within our communities, we need to join organizations, not be afraid to be a part of a ministerial alliance, and as you say, unapologetically expressing the values of our tenets and principles. We can't sit back. What did Jesus say? Holding your light under a bushel? We have to get involved and be active in our communities. Beautiful, beautiful. So, because I have a few more questions, I want to make sure I get my questions out. <laughs> New thought and mental health. Because I think a lot of the reasons why we're seeing the eruption of violence in the community across the board, white, black, Asian, uh, Muslim cultures, uh, Hispanic, etc., is because people are dealing with mental health. I'm not saying that a person needs to be, and sometimes they do might need, you know, prescription medicine for some type of chemical imbalance. But I'm talking about depression, yeah, anxiety, fear, yeah. frustration, holding on to anger, and things of that nature. So, how do you think the New Thought community can help support the process of mental health? Well, well, it's a good question for me. I'm a psycho psychotherapist before I even became a minister. And one of the things we were dealing with was addressing the mental health issues and began to realize that uh, one of the things I worked with when I worked with clients is take those principles into my therapeutic sessions and began to share with those individuals those ideas of oneness, recognizing the out of alignment that they're thinking in terms of that thought process. And as we began to say, instead of labeling, we were operating from a strength-based process. But we have to, as a New Thought community, realize that those who have mental health issues come into the churches because they no longer have resources that they can go to for mental health. And our churches have to now realize that we have to have that type of engagement with them, whether we want to or not, that opens up the doors for conversation with them and see them. When someone walks through the door and they want to have a handout, Reverend G, can you give me some money so I can get to the hospital, whatever story they're going to give me. And I have to begin to say, do you know who you are? Do you know the qualities of gift within yourself? Give you one example. I told a brother who came in, you may say, looking like he just left an alley. I gave him direction where to go get cleaned up. Gave him resources. I said, when you show back up to me and you've done those things, we're going to take you to the next step that you can get your life in order. Because we began to talk about you are greater than what you're showing. He did everything required. That young man went out, changed clothes. We had a place for him to go shower. He got involved. And the next thing you know, he's now attending the church, trying to get involved, but we was able to help him get a job. But what he needed was someone to believe in him, to speak to that inner core of who he is, and not seeing the appearance as who he is, but recognizing that there's a God within him that is still magnificent and beautiful 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 you know it reminds me of a story Emmett Fox wrote in one of his books and I don't remember which book it is 
um, to paraphrase him, he basically talked about how if everybody goes out and cleans in front of his house, the whole block is or the whole neighborhood is clean. Yes. You know, so what am I responsible for? Before I start getting into other people's business, let me clean my own mental house. In, in, the, in the midst of the story he talks about in that book, how uh, a man came to him who owned a small store, you know, one of those small family stores and one of those big box type stores like a Walmart, you know, which didn't exist back then, opened up down the block and was – he was fearful that his store would be absorbed like some of the other stores were being absorbed because you can go to one place to get all of this, all of that you need instead of going to all these smallest stores. And obviously, because they're buying in bulk, so sometimes you get better prices. Right. So Emmett Fox told the man, <laughs> talk about mental health. This is amazing. But this is pure new thought, in my opinion. He said, what do you do every morning before you open the store? He said, well, normally I go out uh, before I open the store and I make sure that the, sto- that the store is pristine on the outside. I go out, I pick up any garbage, I sweep and, you know, and make sure that when people come into the store, it looks clean. So M. Fox told the man, every morning from now on, when you go out in the morning to sweep up in front of your store, I want you to take a moment, stop and bless the store down the block. Yes. Blessed with prosperity, wow. blessed with abundance and satisfied customers, all of the stuff. And the man was like, that's, you know, that doesn't make sense. You know, he's like, no, I want you to do that because what you want for others, you want for yourself. So the man started to do it. So as other people's businesses were being swallowed, his wasn't because he was being the truth and not operating out of fear. His fear consciousness would have drawn unto him the experience he didn't want like joe what i fear most has come upon me but by going out and every time he thought or saw that store he blessed it he was transforming his own consciousness the purity of new thoughts so beforehand his mental health might have been a little shaky because obviously you don't want to be absorbed and have your life work absorbed or, or put your family's finances in jeopardy but he was able to maintain based upon the consciousness he established by going and finding out the information he needed from someone who could look at life from a higher perspective. And I think that's one of the things that we bring to the table as new thought practitioners and ministers. You hit that so much on the head. And I do believe that uh, as new thought speaking and realizing that that energy of fear is what blocks us from our good. But, you know, God did not give us a spirit of fear. Right. And we have to really begin to express that. And I'm, and when when new thought centers and communities can begin to work within ourselves, when we begin to see that glory, because I'm a strong believer in a vibrating, radi- radiating energy that exists within us, and that when we come together and begin to sing on one accord, begin to express something by one accord, one thought, one mind, one destiny, we can begin to change the conscious awareness. And right now, during this time period, it's going to be a lot of fear-based energy put out to us, fear-based over the different political candidates, one in particular. And we're going to have to make sure we don't get pulled into that energy and realize that no matter what the face takes on politically, we can control what we have within our community. 
because all they would do is tell us about they're going to come and rescue us. But that's only temporal until we're ready to rescue ourselves and to switch that fear energy to a love energy, a loving vibration for ourselves and our community and our world. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You create your own hope, you know, Christ in you, your hope of glory. <laughs> Christ like in you. Before. Yeah, you know, and I think that that's one of the things. And we're not saying, and I just want to get across this because, I, you know, a lot of people listen to this uh, podcast, you know, via iTunes or Stitcher, you know, not just on the website live or, or when the or the replay or when they put it on the website. Let me be perfectly clear from my position. I can't speak for a Reverend Geist. I believe that whatever a person is entitled to as a citizen in this nation or whatever the nation you live in as a citizen should be colorblind and in the midst of and, and equal. And whatever the processes need to be to balance the, the, the sheet, the, that, in other words, if it's a situation, a circumstance that because of certain policies imbalance things, and if that needs to happen to fix it, then they need to do it. Like what's going on in Flint, Michigan. You char- right. People are being charged water, water bills that, that, that are attached to the, to, to the property or ownership of their homes, yet they can't drink the water, they can't bathe in the water, they can't use the water. That is something that's out of balance as a citizen in the United States of America. So to me, that issue needs to be addressed. So funds, federal funds, state funds, county funds, city funds, or whatever funds needs to go to to balance that as a citizen of the United States. You shouldn't have to be a mystic to get basic justice. <laughs> no. Okay. So so that so I just want to make sure that I do get that across. All, you know, sometimes – you know, in our realm of metaphysics, we get so highly spiritual that we tend to forget a person shouldn't have to be a mystic to be treated right because of their skin color or their gender right. or their or sexual orientation and all of these type of things. It's ridiculous. If right. we're talking the conversation of one, it's because when it's all said and done, if I don't see my child in the kid that's drinking lead in the water, then I don't understand oneness. Absolutely. So I'm not saying that the, the government and the politicians and the people in charge of financial institutions should not be held accountable for uh, doing what they were selected or, or, uh, or, or being paid to do or voted in to do or doing what's right because it's right, not because it's politically favorable, not because uh, lobbyists are telling you what you should or shouldn't do or any of that. I am totally for justice. 100% across the board. That being said, I also recognize that God is the source. And we have to figure out a way to where we hold people accountable for what they're supposed to do. And we make sure that the that the playing field is level. And at the same time, make sure that people understand that the power is within them. That's That's on us to do as leaders. Right, and I don't, and I, and I think that conversation has to be had because if we don't have it, then it's then it's somewhat imbalanced. We want to talk oneness, but we can't have uh, because a kid is 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 African American walking down the streets of Chicago, get six gets shot sixteen times, fifteen times on the ground. That doesn't make sense. So, so I just wanted to make sure that I just put that out there because I know we don't have a lot of we have like a minute left, Reverend Guy. So I didn't mean to go off on a tangent, but I just want to make sure that people don't misinterpret what has been said because we're telling people God is the source. Does that mean that we don't stand for justice and fairness well, across the board? 
Well, brother, first of all, I think what you said was correct. I also know that we have to realize that no matter what color we are, who we are, what, as you say, orientation, there's only one presence and one power. Absolutely. Our job in this living, vibrational, outpouring energy is to connect with people, no matter what that appearance may be. Because we have to make the world better. Our right. role is to create a greater world, a greater earth for everybody involved, utilizing the principle that God has given us. It's one of our purposes to be here is make this planet greater for the next generation coming behind us. To sow the seeds of God's truth in all aspects, regardless we call it Allah, Jehovah, Ogun, or simply the Most High. And we have to see that flowing inside of us. So I welcome the fact that you spoke those words, my brother. Well, thank you, thank you. Well, we've run out of time, so I want to say thank you, Reverend, guys, for coming on. Um, I'm sure we're going to do some good work down the line rather on this show or in person or something somewhere together because the work needs to be done so thank you for being an agent of transformation um and you know if you need me i'm one phone call away you got it my brother so with that we got to wrap it up so the next host can come in with their show (laughs) so (laughs) god bless you all God bless you listeners, and we'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. My guest will be uh, the biblical scholar, uh, Dr. Will Coleman. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. of spiritually conscious living start now for a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential tune in to the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world Sometimes life can seem like a jigsaw puzzle. Even if we think we have a clear picture of what we want, we may become overwhelmed in our efforts to fit all the pieces together. Although each of our lives may look different on the outside, what we are all striving to create is the same, peace of mind. We mistakenly think that peace will be ours once we have fit all the pieces of our lives into place. But peace isn't dependent on outer circumstances, and it's not something that must be finished. It's a work in progress within each of us. If I want to picture peace clearly, I look within myself. The peace I've been missing is there. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. Just like life. 
Grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. Spotify. 